Catch us on the web at english.rti.org.tw. Thank you so much for joining us here today at Radio Taiwan International. I'm Andrew Ryan coming to you from Taipei, Taiwan. Up ahead this hour, we'll have for you Book of Odes with Charlie Storer and Status Update with John and Shirley. But first up today, here in Taiwan. Today is Tuesday, December 18th, and you're listening to Here in Taiwan on Radio Taiwan International. In the studio today, we have Natalie So. Hello. Jake Chen. Hello. I am, once again, Andrew Ryan. In today's program, we're going to tell you about iPost boxes. Can you believe that Taipei's metro system now has mailboxes for people who order things online? I guess you can use it for other things as well. Uh, it's funny because I always think the metro is very modern. Post office boxes, maybe a thing of the past, maybe not. Not really. They yeah. use for model, modern uses here. We'll tell you all about that in just well. a moment. Also, we're going to tell you about how a local environmental group looked into the kinds of garbage that are washing up on Taiwan's beaches, and they found some very interesting things. We'll tell you all about those. And we're going to end on a positive note. Ten Taipei restaurants are listed in the top 1,000 restaurants in the world by La Liste. All that and more in today's Here in Taiwan. Don't go away. Okay, so post office boxes. You know, I really thought that delivery would kind of wane, I guess, fade out, it would become a thing of the past, and we'd all be doing things by computer, and of course, how wrong am I? Well, you can do things by computer and get it delivered to the nearest MRT station. Yeah, so you still need to have somebody bring the object to you at some uh, point, in some way, shape, or form, and do now you you're saying... Do you online shopping? All the time. Yeah, I mean... So, so where do you usually <laughs> get it delivered? To my parents' house in America. <laughs> uh, you're talking about... Okay, yeah. Okay, one certain company we all know. Yes, a certain company that will not be mentioned in today's program, <laughs> lest I should feel guilty. Okay, <laughs> no free ads here. By giving my money to the man. <laughs> okay, so what's well, happening here in Taiwan? Okay, well, you know, online shopping is really big here. A lot of people have things delivered to the local convenience store, right? Mm -hmm. So, but you can also now have it delivered to... The local uh, metro station and there's post boxes there are different like boxes there so that is a new option now you know it's interesting with the the deliveries to the like the the convenience stores i noticed at some point my local convenience store and there are so many of them in taiwan i mean there's just thousands and thousands of them um i mean you can't you know you can't go for Escape a block them. without yeah. <laughs> seeing a convenience <laughs> store of one of the main chains but a large section of my local convenience store, the one next to my home, all of a sudden the shelf space was gone and it turned into like shelving for things that were delivered to the convenience store via, I guess, online shopping. That's very popular. They got big closets there. Huge. And you think about it, people go there and then they might think, I'm thirsty. Mm -hmm. Oh, I need a toothbrush. Yeah. yeah. So, so like I'm going to go pick up yeah. my stuff, but I'm also going to put down some extra cash. 
Yeah. <laughs> so they made everything colorful for a reason. Yes, for I, sure. I bet they lure you in with other ways. Yeah. And then you buy more. Yeah. This actually is also quite modern because you can use the Line messaging app mm-hmm. to um, order or to receive packages, send packages. You can also send packages through this system. And so, do you? Okay. So, do you get um, your own box with I think a key, so. or do you um, share them? I, it no, just I think there's a, like a box and a box, you know, separate boxes with numbers on it. And then let's, I don't know exactly how it works, but there's a machine there and you can use your easy car. Let's say, okay, I want this sent to oh, Andrew Ryan oh. and then you put it in this box and then they will send it to you. Okay, so you don't There's have different your ways own to use box. It. You no, just, you just borrow a box. You, so, so like, let's say some, uh, I'll get a notification saying, Andrew, your, um, I don't know, your water bottle has showed up in a box at the uh, metro station next to your house. At and then this, it tells you which box number. box number it is. And then you put in, presumably, your code or you swipe your easy card. Something like that. And then the right box opens. Right. Such a great idea. Isn't that great? It's very convenient because people, you know, take the metro all the time i want to know who thought that up that's super smart yeah so well it's zonghua post it's our post office so they're getting a little bit more they're getting smarter the time they're actually closing some of their post offices because people don't like go personally mail you know all the time it's interesting i remember like many years ago the post office just started to you know starting to think outside of the box and find new ways of making money and they were doing things like selling like facial masks inside the post office do you remember that are you serious i don't go that often to my post office oh i don't either but (laughs) 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 i went there for a facial mask once no i'm kidding um but they were i mean they teamed up with thai salt taiwan salt yeah i didn't know they anyway facial masks they've been they've been exploring different ways of making money and you know over the years but this, I think, is a really smart move. Yeah. This is really logical. You and know. so th- they're expanding the payment systems. They're going to be able to do by mobile payment uh, eventually and expand to like 2,000 boxes. Wow. So they're just starting out, but um, that's another way to receive and send packages. Well, it's smart because they have a large you know, network of transportation, right? Yep. That's to get true. products to go through. I mean, they're in the neighborhood anyways. Yeah, they've, well just they've got sites set up, right? Mm-hmm. That's, I mean, it's kind of the same thing that the convenience stores have is they have the locations. So, and they have the system of transportation to, to, uh, to move the products That's around. True. So they're kind of um, using their, I guess, their own unique abilities or features to, to create the need and uh, solution. Right. And I think this also saves uh, the mailman some of the troubles to deliver to places where public transport can't get to because you're making the receiver do half the walk. Oh, yeah, you're right. Right. Because you got to go to the metro station to get it. So on your way to or from work, you do the walk, you get your stuff and, you know. Always fascinating to see how uh, how old industries are updating themselves to, to keep up with the flow of time. All right, Jake, you have uh, a group of people there who have surveyed the trash found on Taiwan's beaches, and they have made some interesting discoveries. Right. Uh, This group is the Society of Wilderness. This is a local environmental group. Um, They participated in in some of the 248 uh, beach cleaning activities in uh, the year so far, and uh, they've also uh, have some figures for us. So uh, in total, we have close to 41 tons of garbage that we clean off of Taiwan shores. 
And then um, uh, here are some of the specific numbers. We have close to 47,000 uh, plastic bottles. The second most uh, common items is uh, close to 44,000 um, glass bottles. And then you have wow. plastic straws. Not surprisingly, almost 37,000. Um, so uh, the group said, although the number of plastic straws is closely rising, but the uh, number, on the other hand, of plastic bags has dropped dramatically because the government has put a, uh, not a ban, but has put a price on it. That's right. good. Yeah, so people started to use it quite a bit less than before. So it'd be interesting to see once this plastic straw ban goes into effect, whether or not that will uh, put a dent in the number of straws we're finding on the beaches. I think it will. Mm. Yeah. I think even a, a tiny price, because I think plastic bag is like five cents Taiwanese per bag. Even a tiny price sort of psychologically stopped a lot of people from just grabbing one for free, and plastic straws for sure because we use it, you know, so often. So wow, huh? I have to say it is a little bit depressing to hear how much trash washes up on the beaches. Uh, I agree. I think I think it is maybe in a way good to hear that these are recyclables that are finding a new future right. once they've been collected by the efforts of this organization. Yeah. The one small bright spot, but um, I, I think maybe education is is the main thing I that needs to happen, so. right? I think we really need to know why plastic is so bad and stop using it so much. I mean, yeah. when I started, you know, realizing I don't need it so much, I don't use it as much in the grocery store. Yeah. I don't need a plastic bag for every single fruit, right? Right. And sometimes you just put it all in your own bag. Yeah. You save so many plastic bags that you usually throw away right when you get home. You could bring plastic bags to the, the grocery store, reuse them, or, right? Or reusable bags, you know, environmental bags. Tote so. bags. Yeah. So there's definitely, once you've understand why it's not necessary you can cut out a lot there are a couple of areas where i still feel like i need to improve a little bit one is like going to a bakery and getting bread like i know some people bring their own little bread sacks like made out of cloth oh i think i need one of those (laughs) (laughs) i don't have a bread sack (laughs) yeah i need to carry like a bag with me because i only have i don't have a bag right yeah so I just buy the trash bags that are available. Yeah. I need to. So those trash bags, a lot of places, if you go to a major uh, retailer, instead of selling you just like a throwaway grocery bag, they're going to sell you a trash bag that you can use to throw your throwaways, your trash aways. And you have to use regulation trash bags um, to throw your trash away in Taiwan. So instead of having to go somewhere else and buying the trash bags, you just... Buy one. Buy to, one at the ca- register. Right. Yeah, yeah, and those ones are made in a way that they're biodegradable, although they look like an average plastic bag. Really? That's I good didn't to know. know. That. Oh, yeah. good. Okay, la liste. This is not the Michelin guide, Guide Michelin, <laughs> but it is. I can't a list. hold it in anymore. I'm sorry. <laughs> He's been laughing every time I try to use French. Um, it's. 10 Taipei restaurants have made it onto the top 1,000 in the world. It's kind of exciting. I mean... It means we have some good food here. We do. I mean, according to these French people, right? Yeah. They made this list. (laughs) (laughs) They like these 10 restaurants. What do the French know about food? (laughs) I don't know what did I say about the credibility. Go ahead. I will say, I did go on their website, and they they do have a nice panel of food writers and... (laughs) There, there are a couple of Japanese people on the list. There's a Chinese woman. Oh, they, really? But I think in general, that? these lists, they do have a very kind of Western approach to food usually, don't they? Mm. But, you know, it's interesting that, that restaurants on this list are all very different. Mm-hmm. Everyone is a different uh, background and different kind of food. The so 10 in they're Taipei, They're not all French right? food or whatever, you know. Um, so number one, you guys want to know what number one was? It, um, hmm. 
You Is it a don't know. It's restaurant that we've talked about sometime in the office? No, I've no. never heard of it, actually. Okay, then I don't know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's called Rugin Taipei. Oh, a Japanese a restaurant. Japanese. Yeah. It's a Michelin-starred restaurant. Okay. And um, it has, the t- yeah, 86 points. Out of 100. Yeah. Okay. So it was very high. Their, their set menu is priced at 6500 about 200 US dollars. That's why I don't Our know about meal. it. <laughs> <laughs> and then next uh, is a Marshall Zen Garden. It's a French Taiwanese fusion. Oh, no. Oh, there's another. Uh, yeah. And then there, that's a Taiwanese restaurant. Hey? What's, what is it? What's no, the no. French fusion uh, one? Uh, French Taiwanese fusion is Ta-A. T-O-H-A. Oh. Don't and know it. Then, um, <laughs> there's a Cantonese restaurant, La Palais. It's a French oh, name. Yes. You've heard yes. of it? Yes, that's in, uh, is that in Palais It's in the de Michelin Chine? Guide. Yeah. And then a European restaurant, Moom. A Moume. A Moume, okay. You've been there? I've, I've heard of it. It's, it's like raw. It's really kind of good seafood. This all sounds so fancy. And then fancy. Ben Cotto, Italian restaurant at Mandarin Oriental. Ooh. I've been there. Oh. And then Yen, Chinese restaurant at the W Taipei. And then we've got a mountain and sea house. Got it's, a real Yen for that cooking. And <laughs> then uh, the guest house at the Sheraton. So those are the restaurants, all I kinds of restaurants. I feel bad when I can't afford the restaurants, I just resort to making puns. <laughs> um, you know, I went to the Bencado and we accidentally ordered something really expensive. Oh no, like how expensive? Oh, it was over 2000 We thought we were getting, because my husband That's was like not 60, eating meat. $70, yeah. He said, how about a truffle risotto? I'm like, sure. We're thinking like three or $400. And they sent their and pigs he, out to find their truffles in the back they, garden. They, and they, they, their face lit up when we said, you sure? And then <laughs> the, the head chef came out with this real truffle. No. And then somebody said it cost them like, you know, I don't know, 100000 in you, tea or something. A get, truffle. And then he started... Shaving, shaving the it. truffle. Yeah. It was so good. But it was did, really expensive. Didn't you and your husband look at each other and say, uh, honey, do you, is, is that what we ordered? It was so I, good. I, should we check the menu? <laughs> no and make idea sure how much it cost. <laughs> double check and make sure that's the one we it's really like five wanted. Five times more than what we thought it would cost. Oh, mm. once in a lifetime. Yeah, it was memorable. Once in a lifetime. Memorable. Well, thank you so much for joining us for Here in Taiwan. I'm Andrew Ryan. I'm Natalie So. And I'm Jake Chen. From the London Underground to the Taipei Metro, the people of our world are going places. Are you listening? Tune in to the sounds of your world on Radio Taiwan International. or Shi Jing, is the original compendium of Chinese poetry. Also known in English as the Book of Songs, or the Classic of Poetry, it is one of the five books that make up the canon of the Confucian classics. Every week on the show, I'll be bringing you readings and translations of Chinese poetry from ancient times to the present day. Welcome to Book of Odes. I'm Charlie Starrer. This week, I'll be reading poetry by Du Fu, one of the first names you'll ever hear raised in any discussion of classical Chinese poetry. 
Du Fu is, if not China's greatest ever poet, then at least in the top two. He's often bracketed along with his contemporary Li Bai. His contemporary in which era? Well, that would of course be the Tang Dynasty, which lasted from 618 to 907 Common Era, and is reckoned to be the definitive golden age of Chinese poetry, along with many other forms of art. So what made the Tang so special? Well, this was a dynasty under which the size of the empire grew, accompanied by increased trade and cultural contacts with other civilizations. This made Tang China one of the most cosmopolitan and culturally diverse periods in all Chinese history. The expansion of the empire that occurred during the early Tang was not without its cost, as we will see from this first poem, which shows us Du Fu's concern for the plight of ordinary people. From the imperial capital Chang'an in northwest China, which today is the modern city of Xi'an, in the year 750, Du Fu observed conscripts being rounded up as levies from the peasantry and sent off to fight on the new western frontiers of the empire. Many of them would not come back. And even if they did, there would be no guarantee that they would be able to live out their lives in peace. It is quite possible that they would be sent off to fight again at some future time. In this poem, Song of the Wagon, it's a chaotic scene as the troops move out, but one conscripted soldier at least is able to express his hardship and his helplessness, his only consolation that heaven alone is waiting and sees the injustice. Song of the Wagon The wagons rumble and roll The horses whinny and neigh The conscripts each have bows and arrows at their waists Their parents, wives and children run to see them off So much dust stirred up It hides the Xianyang Bridge They pull clothes Stamp their feet And weeping Bar the way. The weeping voices rise straight up and strike the clouds. A passer-by at the roadside asks a conscript why. The conscript answers only that drafting happens often. At fifteen, many were sent north to guard the river. Even at forty, they had to till fields in the west. When we went away, the elders bound our heads. Returning with heads white, we're sent back off to the frontier. At the border posts, shed blood becomes a sea. The martial emperor's dream of expansion has no end. Have you not seen the two hundred districts east of the mountains? where thorns and brambles grow in countless villages and hamlets. Although there are strong women to grasp the hoe and the plough, they grow some crops, but there's no order in the fields. What's more, we soldiers of Qin withstand the bitterest fighting. We're always driven onwards 
just like dogs and chickens. Although an elder can ask me this, how can a soldier dare to complain? Even in this winter time, soldiers from the west of the pass keep moving. The magistrate is eager for taxes, but how can we afford to pay? We know now having boys is bad, while having girls is for the best. Our girls can still be married to the neighbours. Our sons are merely buried amid the grass. Have you not seen on the border of Qinghai the ancient bleached bones no man's gathered in? The new ghosts are angered by injustice. The old ghosts weep. Moistening rain falls from dark heaven on the voices screeching. This next is likewise a longish poem by Tang Poetry Standards, an example of seven-character old-style verse, and it's also to do with horses. It is a poem written in praise of the painting and of the artist, General Cao. In the first part, Du Fu talks about the general's skill and the accolades it has won him. He then goes on to give a description of the painting itself in fulsome terms. He concludes with evocations of history and praises his host, Wei Feng, as a man who can really appreciate such a splendid painting. It's all very congratulatory, and it's called Looking at a Horse Painting by General Cao at the House of the Recorder, Wei Feng. Throughout this dynasty, no one had painted horses like the master spirit, Prince Jiang Du. And then to General Cao, through his thirty years of fame, the world's gaze turned for royal steeds. He painted the late emperor's luminous white horse. For ten days the thunder flew over Dragon Lake, and a pink agate plate was sent him from the palace, the talk of the court ladies, the marvel of all eyes. The general danced, receiving it in his honoured home after this rare gift, followed rapidly fine silks from many of the nobles, requesting that his art lend a new luster to their screens. First came the curly-maned horse of Emperor Taizong, then for the gores a lion-spotted horse. But now in this painting I see two horses, a sobering sight for whosoever knew them. They are war horses. Either could face ten thousand. They make the white silk stretch away into a vast desert. And the seven others with them are almost as noble. Mist and snow are moving across a cold sky, and hoofs are cleaving snowdrifts under great trees. With here a group of officers, and there a group of servants. See how these nine horses all vie with one another. The high, clear glance, the deep, firm breath. Who understands distinction? Who really cares for art? You, Wei Feng, have followed Cao. Zhi Dun preceded him. I remember when the late emperor came toward his summer palace. 
the procession in green feathered rows swept from the eastern sky. Thirty thousand horses prancing, galloping, fashioned every one of them like the horses in this picture. But now the imperial ghost receives secret jade from the river god, for the emperor hunts crocodiles no longer by the streams. Where you see his great gold tomb, you may hear among the pines a bird grieving in the wind that the emperor's horses are gone. This is Radio Taiwan International. This is Status Update. Hello there. You're listening to Status Update. I'm Shirley Lin. I'm John Van Trieste. Yes, we're going to be getting to your letters and your Facebook comments and talking about Taiwan Top Ten. Continuing on our list of.、Uh, What was it now? Quiet places to de-stress. Right, places of quiet and some solitude as well. As、mm. we close out the year, are you still stressed out, Shirley, from this election, or are we well, slowly getting over it? Uh, well, I'm I'm slowly getting over it. It's just that、uh, there's just so much, so many things happening,、mm. you know, during this month for me. Right. So it's like you know, changing my news shifts with Paula <laughs> so many times. There is some shuffling around going yeah, on. Yeah. So I think, and in fact. I am going to go someplace to de-stress. Okay,、uh, it, it not my choice, but because my daughter is about to start working January second, so she really wants to take a vacation somewhere. Cool. So we're going to go to this.、Um, it's it's a farm resort, isn't it? Is it Or one of our ten places? Farm recreational? No, it isn't. But、uh, she really wants to see the foliage. If we can、okay. still manage to see the foliage, yeah. But,、um, <laughs> so you have to kind of go up into the mountains to see that in Taiwan. It's、yeah. not on the, the sort of the low lying in these low lying areas where it's generally a bit warm,、mm, uh, yeah. mild at least.、Uh, yeah, you don't see leaves changing color. No, no. So anyway,、mm. so we're keeping our fingers crossed, and we hope to. We hope that she will get to see the foliage <laughs> she really wants to get. But、um, I hope you will too. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Well, it's、yes. not all stress.、Uh, you guys had a bit of fun last week, I understand. Yeah, I guess I already started our de-stressing last night.、Huh? Okay. <laughs> yes. So we finally the RTI、uh, English Service reunion, should I say? So it's、uh, like three of our、uh, ex-colleagues,、uh, along with、uh, five of us who are current members, and、um, we had a nice dinner,、um, not too far from RTI. It's at this Argentinian grill. Yes, we told our listeners a bit about that last week. Yeah, I've, I've been there once before. It's quite、mm. nice. It is.、Um, so, did you have this、uh, platter of、uh, assorted meat? Did you? I don't. You、it's、don't. Okay. About like years since I've been there, but yeah,、uh, you, you know, going to the grill, you've got to order some meat, right? So it was an assortment of like grilled chicken. Yeah, it's not very vegetarian friendly, is it? <laughs> <laughs> and then lamb chop and pork chop and、uh, steak. So that was a whole platter of assortment there, and then we ordered some pastas on the side, and also a risotto on the side, and it was not exactly cheap. Well, no, it's but, it's, a,、uh, it's a it's a bit、uh, a little bit upscale, yeah, isn't it? 
And and besides, we also ordered a big tankard. Yeah, a, a picture, of, picture beer. of beer. I saw a picture of that. Yeah. Yeah, we were really surprised when it came to our table because it comes with a tap. You know, you mm. kind of um, fill it up yourself. Um, that was really neat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was really nice seeing everybody. I mean, unfortunately, Huangshan couldn't be there. She got sick at the last moment. Oh, yeah, I wasn't so. able to make it either. But. I know you couldn't go either, and then Jake couldn't be there. And as we we're leaving. Um, I was talking to Jonathan Seidman, for those of you who might remember Jonathan from years back. And, um, well, should I organize another one like in six months, you know, time and not wait until a year? And he was going like, yeah, or, or even next month or even next week. <laughs> <laughs> so he really loved being with us That's all, nice. you know, so. I'm glad you guys had a great time. Yeah, you know what? I think that I'm going to try to find a Chinese restaurant with a round table. So that it's better talking and chatting it's, that way. It's one of the advantages <laughs> of, to that style of dining, isn't it? Is yeah, don't you, you really, think so? Everyone faces everyone, so. Yeah, because last night it was a long table and one end that people can't really talk to the other end of the people. And, and so it's, it was, but it was nice still, you know. Hmm. So, but anyway, really, I hope that all 12 of us can be there next time. I'll make that our goal. Yeah, make that our goal. <laughs> so I, I think I'm going to throw that idea out about a Chinese restaurant and get a round table. So. Uh, in the meantime, we'd love to hear from you, and please keep writing letters and let us know what you think about our programs. So let me give you the address. It's PO Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Our email address is rti at rti.org.tw. Of course, we love your Facebook comments, so please keep those coming our way as well. Okay, first letter is coming from a doctor of uh, West Bengal, India. This is Dr. Dili Kumar Saka. And it says, hi, I'm a doctor and also a radio listener from India. I listen to your radio broadcast. I'm sitting here with an audio file of your radio program. Well, thank you so much. He listened on December 7th at the 6180 kilohertz frequency. Um, simple rating was three across the board. I guess it could be better. And uh, he used an antenna that's a 40-meter copper long wire. So, well, thank you for the details. Uh, he listened using a Texan PL660. Again, this was Dr. Dilip Kumar Saka of West Bengal, India. Thank you. We also have a letter here from Malaysia. This comes to us from M. Braille. It says, greetings from Malaysia. You may be interested to learn that Radio Taiwan International via Baozhong was heard on the shortwave frequency of 15320 kHz here in the Kuala Lumpur area on December 6, 2018 from 0320 till 0400 UTC. A detailed reception report of this broadcast may be found below. Which, should it be correct, uh, your QSL card w- would be very much appreciated. Thank you. The simple rating was excellent for this one. Uh, this is, we've got 55544. Good signal strength, clear audio, no interference, slight fading, near perfect reception. Under the program details, uh, there was an episode of Here in Taiwan that he listened to. Uh, this was a report, included a report on translated books, comic books, and fake news in Taiwan. Yes, that's a problem here as well. Uh, That was followed by Ear to the Ground, hosted by Andrew Ryan, which highlighted the noise around his apartment, followed by a selection of Taiwanese instrumental songs, including When We Were Young, Childhood Memories, uh, a radio drama theme song, and Overture to the Spring Festival. Then, in One More Thing, there was a report about a wood ball, which I don't know if you were there that day. That's a sport that was apparently invented here in Taiwan. Really? It's sort of like croquet meets golf, apparently. And I would like to see it, actually. I'm very interested in what this involves. Uh, So this was about a wood ball festival in Taiwan. And it says it combines the sports of golf and croquet. Yes, it does. Uh, Then there was a summary of the next day's programs. 
and the closeout followed by the end of the English broadcast. So that comes to us once again from Embrail of Malaysia. Thank you so much for writing in. Well, I'm going to make sure I don't get hit by a wood ball. <laughs> it I don't must be they, made of wood, right? I'm not sure if they go flying or not. Again, <laughs> I haven't seen this done yet, which okay. was but interesting. Something to look more. Something to look into. Yeah, same here. All right, and then uh, we move. Uh, okay, we're going back to India, and this is coming from Mr. Miralda M, of Bangalore, India. Um, he listened in on December seventh as well, and uh, also at the frequency six one eight zero with a simple rating of four three 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 three. He listened in on the news and uh, under here in Taiwan, uh, we were talking about Taiwan president making another world ranking for women. Oh, yes, that is right. Um, yeah, she made it in the, it's the um, Forbes, Forbes magazine uh, about the top 100 influential women of the year. Um, and then about a woman who gave a good job for a really good reason, secrets about Taiwan receipts and new ideas on bilingual education. I believe I was on that episode. And then Taiwan Today with Natalie So talked with a renowned expert on Taiwan on how China may influence the elections, yes, which we just had at end of uh, November. And then also live from Taipei, another episode live from Taipei uh, with Charlie Stora. Okay, thank you very much. And it says uh, best regards in 73. So that was Mr. Miralda M. of Bangalore, India. We go over now to the UK, where Roger Tidy is writing to us from London, and he begins, Hello again. Here is my first report for December, one of my least favorite months of the year because of the darkness and cold. I am a summer person. I think that applies for most of us here in the office, I think. This time I'm going to report on your programs for Sunday, December 9th. My favorite segment in today's broadcast was classic shorts, the theme of which was poems by the Tang-era poet Bai Ju-yi on winter, baldness, and laziness, which, apart from baldness, reflected the way I'm feeling today at the beginning of the long winter. I found today's edition of this program to be both atmospheric and calming. I love the way that Natalie narrates the show. Her voice is perfect for the content of the program. My next favorite program today was In the Spotlight, featuring the artist and activist Crystal Liu. It was especially interesting to hear about her experiences in Shanghai, where she lived between 2000 and 2018. She also spoke about feminism, noting that in her opinion, feminism means gender equality, which is precisely how I would define it as well. I also heard Time Traveler and On the Line. The first of these segments focused on the Singhan manuscripts, which I learned are a collection of documents in indigenous languages that cast light on daily life in an area of southwest Taiwan during the period when Chinese settlers first started to appear in Taiwan. As usual on Sundays, today's broadcast ended with On the Line. This week's guest was the wife of the Swazi ambassador to Taiwan, who has organized an exhibition focused on helping black women living in Taipei who sometimes find it difficult to adapt to Taiwanese culture, including having difficulties finding hairstylists who know how to braid black hair. Frankly, this interview didn't interest me as much as some of the other topics that this program has covered. That's all for now from a cold and gloomy London. Best wishes, Roger Tidy. It's a Facebook roundup. On December 13th, we had a very uh, festive posting about a Christmas tree in Taiwan that's being decorated with trash. Marine garbage, was it? Yes. Garbage from the ocean, uh, which as we've heard in recent programs, uh, we have a lot of around here, unfortunately. So it's something productive to do with it, I guess. Yeah. There's a lot it was out the there. first uh, out of uh, marine trash. Well, Sheikh Jawahar seems to have liked this idea. Uh, he wrote, excellent. All countries should follow the example of Taiwan in making trash into gold. <laughs> then uh, okay. also on December 13th, we posted a who's in this photo photo. Uh, it featured the whole crew who showed up at our little uh, get together that you were, we were uh-huh. talking about at the, oh, at the beginning of the program. And uh, yeah. 
I don't think everyone who was there was in the photo. Charlie was notably absent, I think. Oh, okay. So someone he wrote, left a little early. Oh, okay. Well, someone wrote something about the photos he had showed up in were strange or something. What's that all about? Uh, maybe, maybe he just didn't, maybe he just wanted to excuse himself uh, for being tagged. Oh well. Okay. Uh, Rakesh Rao wrote Paula. I remember well because she visited Chennai, India, in the month of December 2016. Oh yeah, she made that trip, didn't she? So, I mean, it occurs to me now that uh, you know why would they recognize our faces? We're on the radio. <laughs> <laughs> so, good catch there. Yes, Paula was in that photo. And Jonathan Seidman, who is one of our former colleagues, uh, yes. who you talked about a bit earlier, said, oh, wait, I totally got this. <laughs> so that was cute. Right. Yeah, of course he would. All right. It's, it's time, time for, for Taiwan, Taiwan Top 10. 10. It's the end of the year and we're stressed. Uh, we've had an, an election. That's that's starting to fade in our memories a bit, I think. Uh, yeah, a little bit. We're getting over that. Uh, but still, with you know the holidays and the end of the year, it is a stressful and chaotic time. And sometimes you just need to get away from it all. Uh, so this month, we're bringing you 10 places in Taiwan for a bit of quiet and solitude. Number four. For number four, we're going to an island getaway. And uh, this is probably one of the most remote places we'll be talking about this month. It's difficult to get to. Okay. This is the South Penghu Marine National Park. Uh, it is a collection of small islands out in the middle of the Taiwan Strait. And uh, according to Wikipedia, the, there was just a bit over 8,000 visitors in the whole of 2017. Wow. So I'm not sure how accurate those statistics are, but uh, I'm actually surprised there were that many because, uh, I mean, you got to take a boat. Mm-hmm. That's the only way to do it. And uh, the islands used to be fairly well populated. Uh, they had a population numbering in the thousands, these islands. They were sort of on, along a in some important uh, transport routes in the days before airplanes, I guess. But uh, these days, uh, there aren't many jobs around. And yeah, they all tra- come to Taiwan proper for jobs. Or to other islands in the, in the oh, Penghu okay. archipelago. And mm. uh, yeah, uh, trans- modern transport generally passes them by. So uh, there is a lot of sea and a lot of quiet on these tiny little specks of land out in the middle of the Taiwan Strait in the middle of the sea. Yeah, if it's a place that's not too populated, you can be sure to find a quiet corner, right? Right. Number three. Lest everyone think that all these places are impossible to get to, we've got two more today that are a bit more manageable. And one, I guess the first one we're going to talk about is the most popular option. Uh, this is right outside of Taipei, Yangmingshan National Park. Now, in terms of solitude, you got to go to the right places and be there at the right time for that because it can be very crowded uh, in, in Yangmingshan National Park. It's a national park right inside the boundaries of Taipei, actually. So it's technically in the city. Uh, mm-hmm. But if you time your visit right uh, and go to certain bits of the park, you can have the place more or less to yourself. And I'm thinking about two spots in particular. One is the Grass Meadows. Okay. That are famous for their sort of uh, wild cattle. They've kind of gone feral up there. Okay. So, oh, so you are talking about the um, Qing Tian Gang. Yes. Okay. And you've been up there. Yes. Uh, was there a lot of, were there a lot of people around? Um, yeah. A fair number? You've got, you've got a very established parking lot there, so you can right. be sure that sometimes, yeah. But if you time your visit right, like the last time I was there, more than a year ago now, uh, there was a heavy fog over the whole place. And I think it was maybe like a weekday. Okay. So deserted. 
Ah. You've got this whole eerie grassland. Uh, well, that's the, to yourself. Yeah, well, that's the way to go is to go during the weekday. Or or find like some point in, in the weekend before everyone showed up. <laughs> the other place I'm thinking about is uh, there is, it's, I think it's called Xiaoyoukong. It's a place where there's like, uh, it's like a fumarole is I think the term for it. There's like smoke coming out of the ground. Yeah, and it's this right. barren, yep. rocky landscape. Mm-hmm. And again, uh, there are times when there's more than a few people around. I mean, who wouldn't want to see bubbling sulfurous mud <laughs> coming out of the ground. It's very bubbling hot spring type of place. But just around the corner from there is like a bit of a maze almost through this, I think it's called arrow bamboo. It's like okay. this shrubby sort of a plant that grows up there. And it's like, have you ever been in one of those uh, like corn mazes or something like that? No, I've only like seen a, the movies. Or like a hay bale <laughs> type of a maze. No. It's, it feels a bit like that. Like oh, you okay. Get, you won't get lost in there. There's only one path. Oh, and it sort see. of loops around. Uh-huh. But you walk a little bit in there. It's very quiet. Mm. And there's a few little uh, lookouts, like wooden platforms that you can climb up to and look out over the whole wow. mountains range. So yeah. You can have a nice meditation there. Yeah, you've got to <laughs> time it right and go to the right spots. But yeah, definitely doable. All right. Number two. This one is a place that I love. And again, you got to time your visit right. There can be a lot of people there. But we're talking about um, the Shito Nature Education Area. This is in Nanto County in central Taiwan. Um, and it's right next to a popular tourist attraction. Uh, so again, you have to time your visit. Maybe towards closing time is a good time to go, I think. <laughs> okay. Uh, but it's a, this forested area. And they have some what they call god trees. Uh, Oh, okay. And these are old, old trees. Ancient trees. Ancient are enormous, trees. like huge trunks towering all over the place. This was actually founded as part of like a research institute during the Japanese colonial period, but it's become sort of a place with quiet, this very quiet pond uh, with a bridge over it. That's a famous scene. Mm. Uh, and then there's a lot of long winding paths through misty forests leading in some cases to enormous and very ancient trees. You walk a bit off the main beaten path and you can find yourself surrounded in just nature. It's absolutely beautiful. All right. I'm already feeling very serene right now. Yeah. <laughs> you describe these places. But anyway, we do have one more place to tell you where you can go for a quiet, your own solo time, you know, solitude. In the meantime, we'd love to hear from you. Let us know what you think about our programs, good or bad. So write us. Our address is PO Box 123-199 Taipei, Taiwan. Our email is rti at rti.org.tw. And of course, remember to keep those Facebook comments coming our way. We can't wait to read them. All right. Until next week, I'm Shirley Lin. I'm John Van Trieste. Bye-bye. See you. Thanks for staying with us here today at Radio Taiwan International. I'm Andrew Ryan, back once again in the studio with Nally So and Jake Chen. And we're going to leave you today with one more thing, or maybe two more things, depending on how we feel. (laughs) (laughs) 
definitely one more thing uh, at least uh we're going to tell you a little bit about how some people say there should be more working women in taiwan some other people say there should be fewer working elderly in Taiwan. Mm. There, I previewed both stories. Now we have to talk about it. Okay. <laughs> Let's start off with the women. Okay, well, recently, um, a former U.S. Congresswoman Pat Schroeder, she's a very famous feminist, one of the first congresswomen in uh, the United States, and she came here for a women's you know, convention, and she shared the fact that you know, they did a survey in the U.S., at the, and the people at the end of their careers, for every dollar a man makes, a woman made 47 cents. What? Less and one of the most likely reasons is that a woman would give up her career for family issues. So this is the end of career salary. Because I know the beginning of career salary is also there's a big disparity. Well, over the lifetime. And it actually, it rings with uh, numbers that just came out of the government that said a lot of people who are not working, 2 million are because of school, which doesn't really count. The other 2 million because of family reasons. And wow. they're almost all women, like 99%. So women, a lot of times, they, they take off time to take care of the babies or maybe elderly. Mm. And um, she is saying that, and also the government too, that we should um, have more caregiving um, options for women if they want to continue their careers, empower them to do so. So, so this is not um, about making women work more. Uh, it's more about offering them the well, ability yeah. if they so desire, right? Of course. You, yeah. can't, you shouldn't make anyone do anything. <laughs> but um, the government is also concerned because it's an aging society here in Taiwan. So the working age population will be less and less. So they want more people in the workforce. So women is, is a clear target to give them that option Um so, I mean, there's always pros and cons, right? For if you work more, you have less, less time with your kids. Right. Maybe more income. No, if you work less, you have less income. But yeah, whatever. So it just I, I think of, it's a really d- difficult decision for women, you know, because I think traditionally the burden of taking care of kids has not been placed on men. So it's like you can just go and have Men don't worry at all about this. Go for their career. They have no qualms about women career and bear family. the emotional burden of... <laughs> Family and children, right? That's true. The emotional labor uh, usually true. relies on them. And I think it's the way we're built as women. Yeah. We're kind of in tune with our, our kids more. Well, you physically give birth and you carry the right. child. We're for more the nurturing, right? Nine months, yeah. Yeah. So, anyway, uh, hopefully, you know, the government will do more for women who want to work and offer them more uh, better, affordable daycare or other options of care for the elderly. We just need women for so much, don't we? You know, it's it, it's important to have women around the family, but it's also it's the workplace is better for having women if you don't That's have true. female she representation. She also said that you I know you know it's really good to have women as legislators too because uh, Taiwan does have quite a few because they bring a different perspective mm-hmm. and they do care about the soft issues such as family and children education mm. more than usually men do. So it's really good to have both genders in the workforce. Mm, absolutely. Now, uh, Jake, you have a story there about uh, the elderly in Taiwan. 14% of people 65 or older are still working, right. uh, which can be good if you're a person like me and wants to work forever. Um, it, but if you don't, that seems to me like it's a bit of a problem. Yeah, this is the latest figure uh, from a survey uh, of over uh, of close to 7,000 people conducted by the Ministry of Health and Welfare. Uh, unfortunately, 55%, so more than half of that 14% that you just mentioned, actually uh, w- uh, went into or went back to the labor force because they financially have to. 
Okay, um, so mm-hmm. this is more about eliminating the need to work if you don't want to work and you're elderly. Right. Uh, yeah. Out of uh, that 14%, um, only 15.6% um, uh, choose to go to work because they want to keep active. And uh, so, um, yeah, I, I think um, a low starting salary and, and the cut of pensions, you know, have contributed to the figure, unfortunately. Mm. Yeah, something but- we need to rectify. Absolutely. Both very important issues. So thank you for bringing those stories for us today. And thank you, the listener, for tuning in. On behalf of the English Service, I'm Andrew Ryan, wishing you a wonderful rest of your day. Thank you for listening to Radio Taiwan International, broadcasting from Taipei, Taiwan. Check out our website at english.rti.org.tw. Again, that's english.rti.org.tw for the latest news and features from Taiwan. You can also listen to our programs and watch videos as well. Our 60-minute English language program can also be heard every day at the following times and frequencies. In southern China and South Asia from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 6180 kHz. Again, that's in southern China and South Asia from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 6180 kHz. And in Southeast Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kHz. Again, that's in Southeast Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kHz. We'd love to hear from you. Please send your comments to P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Again, that's P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Or send an email to rti at rti.org.tw. Again, that's rti at rti.org.tw. Also visit us on Facebook. The address is fb.me forward slash Radio Taiwan International. Once again, on Facebook, we're located at at fb.me forward slash Radio Taiwan International for videos, photos, and news of interest from Taiwan. Thank you once again for listening to Radio Taiwan International.